are listening to Cover Stories, a deep dive into the stories behind iconic album art with Adam Charlie O. In September of 1956, Man's Life magazine ran a story about a Connecticut duck farmer who fights a swarm of weasels that have been eating his ducks. The magazine's cover by Will Husley showed a shirtless man standing waist-deep in water, writhing in agony as several weasels attacked him. He has gripped the tail of one of them like a baseball bat, as another weasel gnaws on his neck and a third chews on his right bicep. Blood-red font provides the understated story title, Weasels Ripped My Flesh. It's easy to see why it's stuck in Frank Zappa's memory. The story by Mike Kamins ran under the teaser, The Little Animals Chewed Away at Him Piece by Piece. The Connecticut duck farmer, after losing 90 ducks in two nights, stakes out the duck house and is attacked by 12 weasels. His first shotgun blast hits his kerosene lantern, creating an inferno in the duck house. Things went downhill from there. Here's a sample of the prose that captured then-held prisoner Zappa's imagination. Time after time, I'd drop to the riverbank and roll over trying to smother them, but they'd squirm out from under, their fetid breath full in my lungs, feigning like boxers for a new attack. I caught a weasel under his throat and dropped the pitchfork and held on to his neck with both hands, squeezing until the narrow mouth popped open and the tongue slid between the bloody mouth. I squeezed until the body went limp, then turned and heaved it fully into the fire. Man, they don't write stories like that anymore. For a quarter, you got this spellbinding story of duck-eating weasels and articles about sin-happy vacationists overrunning Cape Cod, the story hooked to a killer shark, and presumably the answer to the socially perplexing question, can women justify their need for extramarital relations? Neon Park was a San Francisco poster artist when he got a call from Frank Zappa. Zappa had seen Park's work for the group Dancing Food, and he decided he wanted Park to paint the album cover for the Mothers of Invention upcoming album, titled Weasels Ripped My Flesh. So he asked Park to come to L.A. Zappa had recently split up the Mothers of Invention, and this would be their last record before Zappa continued his solo career. At their meeting, Zappa showed Park the Man's Life magazine cover and said, This is it. What can you do that's worse than this? This is the story of what's worse than that. The cover of Weasels Ripped My Flesh, released August 10, 1970. Neon's answer was to craft a parody of an advertisement of the Schick 20 electric shaver based on the Weasels Ripped My Flesh theme. It was a stroke of comedic art genius, and Zappa commissioned the album cover himself. Park was paid $250 for the painting. The resulting parody prefigured punk's anti-materialism and pop art style by half a decade. Park took a chic magazine advertisement 
that showed a man in a suit shaving himself. You can find a copy of the ad in the October 3, 1953 Saturday Evening Post, readily available on the web. The album cover shaver in white shirt and green tie is a dead ringer for the ad model. He holds a weasel razor to his right cheek, which the weasel has scratched in two places before tearing a deep red gouge into the cheek of the blue-eyed cover boy. The painting is done in the style of a panel from a comic strip, complete with black-fonted white word balloons. Someone off-cover has announced the Mothers of Invention in one word balloon. The model speaks the album's title and adds for the sound effect of the weasel razor, no doubt. All of this is done while maintaining a perfect Madison Avenue smile with perfect teeth and an unfazed, glazed eye expression. Park's painting almost did not see the light of day. Zappa butted heads with Warner Brothers over its suitability for release. Evidently, says Park, there was quite a confrontation that occurred over this cover. It wasn't up to their standards. Even after Warner Brothers finally consented to use it, there were problems. The printer was greatly offended, says Park. The girl who worked for him, his assistant, she wouldn't touch the painting. She wouldn't pick it up with her hands. Zappa and Park, meanwhile, were tickled silly by the brouhaha. I was greatly amused by the cover, and so was Frank, says Park. I mean, we giggled a lot. Park still can't see what all the fuss was about. It was an infamous cover, he says, although I guess by today's standard it's pretty tame. It's not like eating liver in Milwaukee. John Williams took the quintessential photographs of Baltimore's own Zappa, found on the rear cover. Weasels Ripped My Flesh is the most iconic Zappa album cover not designed by his regular illustrator, Cal Schenkel. In fact, some Zappa fans, as well as ChatGPT, have erroneously assumed Schenkel did it. A testament to the power of the image is that it has been referenced several times in TV shows and movies, and perhaps most notably in 2016, Zappa's son Dweezil had Jim Mafood design a promotional poster for his tours named Dweezil's Ripped My Flesh, which shows his father shaving himself with the yellow shark from the 1993 Zappa album of the same name. Let's hit the pause button and chat a bit. In case the occasional long O or odd pronunciation didn't tip you off, this is our first <laughs> episode uh, devoted to a hometown hero. That's right, yeah. absolutely. So, uh, legendary Baltimorean, uh, for, born in 1940, Mr. Frank Zappa. Um, you obviously were around uh, for the first go. Why don't you tell me a little bit uh, about your initiation into his weird world? Well, some music's in your peripheral vision. Some's right in front of your face. And yeah. Frank Zappa was in my peripheral vision. I had a friend at high school, and he was he would tell me when he would go see him. And he told me the apocryphal story of being there one time when Frank Zappa got everybody in the crowd and went out, and I don't know they got... Uh, Gino Giants, or they did something, 
and I have spent a week trying to find any evidence that that ever that that, that ever happened, and trying to find the name of that um, venue yeah. that that he may have seen Frank Zappa in. So I guess what I'm saying is Frank Zappa wasn't he wasn't getting top forty play or anything no. like that. If you didn't have a weird friend that was into Frank Zappa, you didn't know anything about Zappa. And until you finally got to the weird friend's house, his house, and they pay, played Lumpy Gravy or were only in it for the <laughs> money for you, uh, you didn't know anything about him. And so I, you know, I, I became aware of him tangentially. And then you know when you hear about him, you know um, I'm thinking. Um, what is there to live for? Who needs the Peace Corps? You know, those kinds of lyrics and the anti-hippie stuff at the time when the hippie movement was booming. You yeah. thought, this guy is strange. This guy is really weird. I mean, it's, it's like, you know, the, the the people that you're depending on for your livelihood. Yeah. And you're just saying, you're all a bunch of phonies. You yeah. Know? And so uh, he was weird. He, he was, was weird. Really that, weird. That's the only way I can describe it. He was weird. You know, I mean, he was a freak amongst even the outcasts. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Dis- despite his local ties, um, there was never really much of a reason to put him on my must-listen list. That said, I've always liked that he existed. Yeah. You know, yeah. wildly yeah. prolific, bizarre, people. self-taught composer. He has a legacy. I'm not sure what it is, but he has it and certainly earned it. You mentioned, um, you know, everything that was going on around the release of this album in particular, which we have yet to announce. Is what? Weasels Ripped My Flesh. <laughs> Weasels Ripped My Flesh. Not the most marketable <laughs> title uh, and cover. We'll get into that. But one of my favorite things about this album is the timing. Uh, so let's briefly look at 1970 for a moment. Because it's an impossibly stacked year for music. Music, yeah. It's unbelievable yeah. looking back. And this is only touching the surface, but we have iconic albums from Sabbath. Simon and Garfunkel, Aretha Franklin, Neil Young, The Who, The Doors, Iggy and the Stooges, Santana, The Stones, The Beatles, Hendrix, Joni Mitchell, and on and on and on and on. What, in your opinion, do they all have in common? That's a great question. And I got nothing. I got nothing. <laughs> I, I lived through that time, but yeah. I, I, I really couldn't tell you. I mean, you know, there was a lot of turmoil and stuff, but that's not what's accounting for these groups no. all peaking at the same time. You know, I think what all of the aforementioned bands had in common is they were going for it. They were trying to succeed. Ah, yeah, you know? yeah. and, and I think by nearly any metric, they all did to a certain extent. Zappa, though, to me, feels like the first pre-internet troll. <laughs> you know, he was attempting to left turn his audience at every yeah. opportunity. Yeah. You know, didn't play by the rules, save his own. And he seemed to kind of try to kill any momentum and goodwill he'd accrued along the way and squash it. Yeah, he was against any kind of orthodoxy at all, you know, whether it's the success orthodoxy or, or anything that you've got. You yeah. Know, uh, he just, he just wasn't part of it. It's wild to me. So, you know, I think when you're that idiosyncratic, you do inadvertently, uh, you know, really get legions of supporters that are just along for the ride, no matter what. Um, so you already mentioned his famous, we're only in it for the money that parody, both the Beatles, Sergeant Pepper, and just the marketability of hippies culture, yeah, or hippie culture. Um, do you consider though? Is this that weasels rip my flesh? Is this his most iconic? It's his most iconic album cover. Okay. If you ask people, uh, you know, give me a, a Zappa cover. You know, most of them are going to say this. Some will say it, it's the Sergeant Pepper, but that was really the gatefold. That wasn't on the cover. Oh, that, okay. that wasn't on okay. the front. Uh, the, the record company wouldn't let him put that on the front. So I, I can't remember. I think it's all them and. 
women's nightgowns or something, <laughs> yeah. some goofy thing like that. But yeah, I'd say this is the most iconic album cover. But this was also when uh, he, he, when the Mothers of Invention were breaking up, uh, you know, and, and I heard that that was because they were getting too expensive. He was hiring people on salary, and he kept hiring more and more musicians. The band was getting too expensive. Uh, I, I I heard that, you know, when he would go out and do a show, they'd do like three or four numbers and then just jam the rest of the time. And the people were getting a little bit too much into <laughs> their own solos than they were the music. And, yeah. and, and Frank Zappa was, was kind of getting tired of that. So this being their last album, I don't think there was anything that we would say was iconic about the mother's music on this okay so this is in essence an odds and sods album yeah kind of scraping in the archive right we have one in the can and see you later yeah okay okay but i'll tell you though it's a hell of a visual ploy great way to be remembered (laughs) um so let's get into the cover a little bit obviously you know it's a bit reductionist to call it a parody you know or just a melding of simply a vintage ad for Schick Razors and Man's Life magazine. Tell me a little bit about <laughs> Man's Life magazine. Did you have any exposure to this prior uh, to digging into this? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Man's Life magazine was at the drugstore. You know, I would go down there to buy the comics. Yeah. But when you would leaf through the, you know, when you were looking for the comics, there was a rack that had, uh, you know, Playboy was too high to reach <laughs> yeah. uh, or was under the co- or was under the counter. But man's life, you could always count on man's life having, you know, some blonde in trouble with her a couple of blouse buttons opened or something yeah. like that. So yeah, there's there's not a, a man in his seventies or sixties that doesn't remember Man's Life magazine just from the covers. You know, you would you would go down there and pick it up and look at it and hope the, the store owner didn't see you, you know, tell you, You're not supposed to be looking at that boy. Yeah. yeah but yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, man's life was a classic. It's <laughs> it's funny because obviously, you know, this was my first time coming across that. And please do yourself a favor and look at some of the covers. <laughs> yeah. It's incredible. I think they're <laughs> yeah. compiled into a really neat book. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're wild. Uh, this cover, though, I think it's a really brilliantly crafted piece that still, as wild as it is, doesn't manage to tip you off to the sonic madness you're, uh, <laughs> right, yeah. you're going to be subjecting <laughs> yourself to. No, uh, no spoiler here. Not a big fan of this musically, yeah. uh, I can't say. Yeah, but I, I, I listened to it for our podcast here, <laughs> and I confess I didn't finish it. No, uh, but I I, ag- again, album. I appreciate uh, his existence in yeah. the, uh, the annals yeah. of weirdo rock and roll. Um, but let's talk Neon Park a little bit. Uh, so <laughs> Neon Park's instruction to make, or, you know, Zappa gave an instruction to make something worse than this. Yeah. So what did he hand him? The Man's Life yeah, cover? Yeah, I showed him The Man's Life cover and said make something worse than this yeah <laughs> so well, clearly you know. enough of an art direction because <laughs> park certainly did yeah um, he did. so this caused some waves uh, i'm guessing right with the label with people at the actual pressing plant. yeah What's the, the, the violence and and and, and everything <laughs> that that was depicted you know bothered the record companies but once he convinced the record companies to do it there was apparently some people at the at the you know at the production end of this that didn't want to touch it because it was gross. Uh, You know, so they were having trouble getting workers to handle the materials because they just just thought they were too gross. But uh, that's just a colorful part of the story, I think. And, you know, what I love is is the guy that he used in the cover, it's straight out of the magazine. It's straight off of the ad. Yes. Uh, So it was a a beautiful parody. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it really was. And I think I'm really happy that this managed to come out 
before copyright madness kind of took over. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know how that would have affected things. It's true. Yeah. You, you got to wonder. You got to yeah. wonder. But this seemed to be, you know, when I looked through his discography, the most quote unquote shocking. Was he already known for being sort of a shocking artist or more just a weirdo? <laughs> well, you know, all you have to do is go back to his discography and look at the titles of the songs. Well, yeah. And two albums in, he was shocking. I mean, he was shocking <laughs> yeah. everybody. You know, just I mean, seriously, just just look at the the titles. He was, you know, and and I, I can't remember if it was uh, Lumpy Gravy or or uh, Only in It for the Money, but he has about five or six songs that are under a minute, and each one has you know has a more shocking title than the one before it. But you know, and and you listen to it, and it was just you know, it was just a. Uh, a sonic scream. It was sort of like uh, yeah. uh, Munch, Munch's um, scream. The scream, yeah, yeah, the scream, yeah. But he's doing it uh, in his music, and then on to the next piece. So yeah, he was he was pretty shocking from yeah. the, from the get go. I think, and he was a he was a mad genius. Uh, as a matter of fact, I can't remember the man's name. It was a composer that did a a, a symphony that was just so unlistenable that it became his model. And uh, one of the one of the other apocryphal stories was, uh, if you wanted to be in Zappa's uh, inner circle, uh, he was only letting people in who liked that particular composer's piece. He said, if you like this kind of music, we can get along. And so that was interesting. A, that was kind of the initiation rate, I guess, for for uh, uh, for his early uh, comrades when we're ta- talking about high school now and that sort of thing. But he just found this composer that was. That everybody thought this is just something you just can't listen to. You can Google uh, Zappa, fill in the blanks for the names that are failing me right now. Yeah, but uh, it was a, it's a neat story. That's cool, and I'm not sure. Maybe I'll uh, get the name wrong here, and uh, you can just write us angry emails. But I think it was Stravinsky's "The Rites of Spring." Not that that's necessarily the piece that you're referring to, but it was so ahead of its time and discordant that, from what I understand, people were running from the first performance and vomiting in certain cases. I don't know if that's a hyperbolic retelling, but pretty wild. Um, so yeah, so he's already a shocking artist and Park nailed this one, just hit it out of the park. And you see something this hyper-specific and stylized, you imagine this has to be what this guy does all the time. Like this is what he does. <laughs> but you, you look at his work and it's so incredibly varied that yeah. it's just endlessly impressive he did a, yeah. a david he, bowie he, he one took, yeah he took the challenge and ran with it <laughs> he sure did and i don't know if you got a chance to look at this or if you came across this but the cover he did for for david bowie is eerily similar similar to the big brother cheap thrills album that we oh yeah yeah the way it was arranged with the cells like the comic cartoon yeah. cells and things yeah yeah even yeah. even artistically it was mm-hmm. it was really kind of wild that uh that it looked so uh looked so similar but I'm glad we're able to talk a little about Zappa because I can't imagine we'll be revisiting him (laughs) with any regularity. That's right, this may be our only trip. But he's a Baltimorean, uh, so always respect. That's right. Weirdo or not. Yeah, Yeah. Kobos, that's right. Okay, well, I think that's a wrap. See you on uh, our next short, right? Yeah, we'll see you on the next short. Cool.